So there's going to be, think of legal really like a system, just like you have other systems that are built into supporting your business. Legal is its own system and it touches those other systems, right? It touches your enrollment process. It touches your marketing. It touches your sales. It it really is intertwined with everything, but it is a system of support for your business that when done right is very holistic and comprehensive. What got you here won't get you there. It's time to uncover the micro shifts required to take your income, influence, and impact to the next level. I'm Melanie Benson. And I'm Samantha Riley. And this is our weekly show for experts and business leaders who are influencing people's decisions to make a greater impact and shatter their revenue goals in the process. Welcome to the Next Level Influence Show. Now let's get started. Now, if you caught last week's episode, you would have heard a lot of valuable strategies using AI to create content and save a ton of time. We had some fabulous conversations with our panelists last week. And this week we're continuing that AI conversation, but this time we're gonna change the way that we're looking at it because we do need to explore how we can use AI, but also protect our IP and become like really aware or be really aware of some of the dark sides of this advancement in technology. I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm here in Los Angeles. There's so much happening in the Hollywood side of things that have started to make me see like, oh, yeah, we have some things that are emerging that uh, dark side of AI and this technological advancement. For instance, I heard about and my husband brought this one to me. He was saying he's like, oh, my gosh, did you hear what happened? with that Florida student who created an AI generated song and sampled some of Drake and the weekend's music. And mm. this song got loaded up onto the platforms, the streaming platforms and generated 12 million views in a month. It's huge. But the AI and Drake couldn't do anything about it at first because we don't have a lot of legal protection yet around AI. This emerging technology is moving so quickly. Mm. And, you know, so they were having trouble getting the song pulled from these streaming services, even though it was their music, their voices. There's not a lot of protection. Yeah, it's a very, I think there there is this really exciting part of it. And there's also this like scary side of it. I only heard this last night that Spotify is removing 12,000 AI generated songs from their platform. So we're in this era of big things happening and they're happening very fast. Yeah, they are. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, as podcasters and content creators, how the platforms will start to search for or, you know, become aware of any content that has been AI generated versus organically generated, you know, so that'll be interesting. And then on a, you know, I have this kind of happening on more of a personal level. My family is very involved in Hollywood. And, you know, I think everybody's heard of the strikes. We started with the writer's strike. We're now moved into an actor's strike. And one of the big disputes is how studios now want to use AI to replace that kind of talent. And each of them have their own disputes with that. But for instance, with actors, there are certain level of actors where they're wanting to replace the actor once they've done one 
skit or one scene or they've used them once, they want to take their likeness and scan it in and never have to hire them again. And so Mm. obviously that's a problem. That's a big problem. So we've got these dance between AI advancements and protecting our likeness, protecting our IP. And I think that right now our creativity has is, you know, really significant. So we're very excited to invite a very special guest to the show today, Heather Pierce Campbell. And she's a, uh, a legal advisor to many high profile content creators. And we've asked her to join us to discuss the cautions of AI. So welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. So good to see you both. Absolutely. So why don't you give us a short introduction about you and what it is that you do? Yeah, so the short summary is that I have been practicing law for over 20 years based here in Seattle, and I focus exclusively on small business. So my particular niche is digital, online, very modern, what I call information-based businesses. And that's really who I serve exclusively. And these folks tend to have a very wide range of legal needs. I tell people my niche is narrow, but I go very deep into that niche to figure out how to protect these businesses. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're joining us today. And I actually went back and I looked over that LinkedIn post you did after we talked a lot about AI and the legal ramifications, legal aspects of it. You know, we were we were sipping on our lavender and honey lattes in the middle of this beautiful <laughs> field overlooking the ocean, talking about chat GPT and AI. <laughs> the true story, right? <laughs> well, I was on the other geeks. side of the world just thinking, I wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> they were really good lattes. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just, you know, it stuck with me what we talked about that day. And especially now that we see all these other things emerging and we really are grateful you could come and do a follow-up to last week's episode because we are seeing a surge of AI-generated content. People are now starting to teach AI content generation. So I think the first leg of this is we need to look at like how we can protect our own IP. So let's just say that's leg one. So Heather, what should we be aware of with AI and the you know, how we can take care of ourselves first. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, some of the traditional rules are going to apply, right? Because true IP protection generally involves a couple things. One, having registrations around your core assets. So, and we can, you know, have a very top level discussion about what that means, but it's, you know, generally you're going to be looking at brand names, taglines, signature offerings, course names, course titles, program titles, you know, books, if they're corresponding with your brand. And, you know, there's different ways that you can protect these top level assets, both through trademarks and copyrights. The body of your work, which is video content, articles, blogs, books that you write, right? So I know I already mentioned books, in regards to trademarks, because if you publish a book series, you want a trademark around it. If it's a single book, you don't get a single trademark for a single book title. But with copyrights, this is the body of your work, right? So I've often shared the analogy of think of your business or your brand, especially from an IP perspective, like a mountain. What's visible from the marketplace, which if you're you know anywhere in the lowlands, in the city, you see the snow-capped peaks, right? 
on the horizon or above the clouds. That's what you protect with trademarks, right? And so that's your trademark registrations for your very top level assets that give you brand recognition in the marketplace. Now, the list of what's in there are titles like a short phrase, sometimes a single word like Starbucks, Nike, right? So a unique word, a phrase, or like a tagline, or visually a logo. If you've done a like a really in-depth design or you have a logo that you care a lot about and you care that it's not duplicated, right? You see registrations around that stuff. The rest of the body of the mountain, what I call the body of your work, is the content we just talked about. Workbooks, work, you know, spreadsheets, real books. You know, if you've authored a full book, whether you are self-published, whether you've published through a publisher, right? You seek copyright protection around that stuff video content, blogs. It's all the ways that you express your work and your ideas into the world. You protect that stuff with copyright. So that's fundamentally where protection starts. Now, do you own the copyright to stuff you create even without a registration? Yes. But are you able to enforce those rights without a registration? It's much more difficult because With a registration, you get access to things like recovery of attorney's fees or triple damages, right? It makes it easier to actually recover if you had to pursue somebody. So that's the quick overview of registrations. There's a lot more into how you protect your IP from a regular transactional perspective, and that's going to be also a lot of business contracts, right? Having terms of service in place on your website having terms of purchase for anything that you sell, having client service agreements in place. So there's going to be, think of legal really like a system, just like you have other systems that are built into supporting your business. Legal is its own system and it touches those other systems, right? It touches your enrollment process. It touches your marketing. It touches your sales. It, It really is intertwined with everything, but it is a system of support for your business that when done right is very holistic and comprehensive. Now, what AI has done to shift the way that you also need to think about protecting your content is now you have to consider very proactively, all right, what does it take to prevent my content, especially for all the folks in the space that we work in, right, who are pretty consistent for the most part content creators, right? I think of all of Mm -hmm. my clients as almost like a mini publisher, Mm -hmm. right? Of their own thought leadership, their own information, their own frameworks, tutorials, whatever. So what AI does to shift the conversation is you now have to be thinking also, who's out there scraping my data that I don't Mm -hmm. know about? Who's, Mm -hmm. Who's visiting my website and what, you know, these large language model databases are trained on the internet, right? And on huge data sets that were never for the most part, authorized for such use. Mm. So you have to remember that like, so, and really we have examples of this in other areas of life. Just because we have the technology to do something, should we be doing it? We have the technology to clone humans. Should we be doing it? Mm. Great question. Right? Most of us would like hit pause on that and like, Ooh, I'm not sure we should be doing that. And The problem is that the internet moves so quickly. Information, like I used to say, the World Wide Web is the Wild West of business. Mm. Now, 
it's AI is the wild west of business currently, right? So we're seeing yeah. some really wild stuff happening in the AI world. And primarily it's because people are not slowing down to think through all the way to the end. What are the potential ramifications of what I'm about to do? Mm. I want to do a little follow-up there, Heather, because you probably have not yet heard the episode we aired yesterday as we're recording this. <laughs> and one of the things that our experts who talk about leveraging content, and I, th- and I think in a lot of ways, this is really valuable, but based on what you're saying, I'm wondering if this falls into this category of caution is one of the ladies was talking about how she loads up her own content into chat GPT for it to learn her voice, for it to learn her tone, for it to learn her ideology. And I'm just thinking as you're talking like, okay, and then what you've done is you've just now given all of your content over to the collective data in the world of AI. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Right. No, it's a true story. You want to do that with, you want to think twice about doing that. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you want to, and people are going to be like rolling their eyes and like groaning in the background as they hear this part, but (laughs) it is a true story. Just like any other platform that you get onto, you are responsible as a consumer for understanding the terms that you agree to when you sign up for that platform. And the problem that this is the craziest thing, even in the legal world, there was this platform and I can't remember the name of it now that some guy was doing a big shout out about. And I thought, this is fascinating. Let me go look at the terms of use associated with this platform. They can do anything they want with the information that you put in there. That may be a huge problem if you're in the legal world, right? And sharing Mm. and depending on what information you're putting in there, because there are a lot of businesses, they're getting super creative about what they're entering into these platforms. The vast majority, by the way, and I've spent hours and hours reviewing the terms of service for many of the main AI tools currently out there, the vast majority are going to have major disclaimers around like anything you enter in, we're not responsible for, and neither are we responsible for anything that happens to that information that you share with us through this tool, Mm -hmm. which means presumably you do not have any control over whether other people access it, whether it feeds the model, whether it informs other people's outputs, right? Mm -hmm. It's a huge problem. If you're a content creator that cares about your IP and cares about thought leadership because you've developed some thought leadership that's really unique to you or to your expertise, Mm -hmm. right? And then the other problem Mm -hmm. is that if there are outputs based on your use that infringe somebody else's intellectual property rights and the platform gets sued, you agree to stand in their shoes, cover their attorney's fees, cover their costs, hold them harmless, defend them from that legal action. Mm. Big rabbit hole, right? Mm. It is a bad one. And especially right now as like the lawsuits that are coming and have already been filed. Like I saw just a few days ago, Sarah Silverman, along with two other like major, major authors are suing ChatGPT for data scraping their books and, you know, not having authorization to do that. Mm -hmm. 
every day there are new lawsuits being filed against Google, against Microsoft, against ChatGPT, against all of these AI platforms because people are not liking what they're seeing in regards to their own use and or in the, in the use of their IP, right? Mm. And so many of the platforms are not taking a stand around protecting creators, right? Artists, you've got mm-hmm. Getty Images suing probably various platforms at this point, right? Trying to protect the artists that create images and, you know, that get shared through Getty Images. So it's, there's a long list of lawsuits that have already happened that are currently being filed and that will be filed, not only against platforms, but also against individual users who have decided to publish those works. Wow. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that, because I'm going to assume that most people are like us, that we want to be ethical content creators. What are some of the steps that we can take to be ethical, but still tap into using AI? Totally. So, I, and I think there are steps, by the way. I'm not somebody who poo-poos all the uses of AI, right? I think it's really important that we observe the marketplace, that we know what's up with these AI tools, that we interact with them enough that we're informed so that we can be part of the conversation and be informed enough to contribute in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And I do think slowing down and asking yourself before you go upload a ton of content or use a tool in a particular way, like ask yourself, is this, because here's my thought around what you input into an AI tool, is if it's like a really shining example of your thought leadership, question number one is, do you care that it feeds the machine, that other people could have outputs based on your thought leadership, right? So the way that I would would find the use helpful and also less risky is let's pretend that you have created content that you're like, you know what? And how many of us, by the way, I'm going to raise my hand, (laughs) have (laughs) some of the preliminary conversations with our clients over and over and over and over in our business. We're educating them around some of the same Mm -hmm. things. And some of those things are not our highest level thinking things, right? They're not our highest levels of output because so much of it is some of the introductory educational stuff that most clients need to start to get their mind around to kind of be indoctrinated into your world and start to look at concepts the right way. For any of that stuff, I'm less concerned about you feeding that into chat GPT and let's say outputting, you know, five social media posts or you know, something that you're going to share with the world anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Now, but the question becomes, is it some of your secret sauce? Is it some of the stuff that is like most representative of your your thought leadership? I maybe wouldn't feed that stuff into ChatGPT. I'd maybe hold on to that and be producing your own articles, your own videos, your own content that contains the really high-level thinking stuff. And, and I think everybody knows what I'm talking about when they think about like, what is their special sauce? What is it? At least if you've been in business long enough, you know what helps you stand apart from the marketplace and you know the ways that you think differently. Don't feed that stuff into these machines. If you care about it remaining yours. Mm. Mm. Wow. So 
I mean, one of the things that's starting to kind of pop for me as we're talking about is, you know, what we feed chat GPT, what we prompt chat GPT and all these AI tools with is, is, a, is our responsibility. I'm kind of curious too, you know, and CM, you and I were talking in the green room about like an experience you had where the inaccuracies that mm. can come out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're saying that you pulled your bio and you're like, holy mackerel, there was a lot of things that were <laughs> not really accurate. And so I think part of being uh, yeah, quite untrue, <laughs> but you know, I think part of being ethical is is recognizing inaccuracies. And and I mean, I think of mm -hmm. several examples. Like there was a case recently where a paralegal had used ChatGPT to pull a legal briefing, and there was inaccuracies in it, and they went to court with it, and then it, it surfaced in the courtroom. Oh, totally ended up in a brief. Yeah. Oh, in the brief. Yes. Thank you. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think the other side of the ethical conversation here is, so what do we need to do to make sure we're like verifying what comes out and making sure that, that we're not, you know, putting content out in the world that's inaccurate? Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I think step number one is know what you're an expert on and don't go to chat GPT for something that you're not an expert on, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever content comes out, you need to be able to vet. And so for people that are like, woohoo, I'm going to write a book using chat GPT. And I, you know, it's just going to fill all the content for me and I get to put my name on it. No, don't do that. There's so many reasons why not, mm -hmm. right? If you are not expert enough at your topic, at your industry to be able to vet on your own, what makes sense to be left in or excluded you should not be relying on the outputs, right? And this is back to the conversation of thought leadership. This is where thought leadership really matters. And I will say, what is the point of producing content if it's not based around thought leadership? Mm. Boom. Absolutely. My thoughts exactly. What is the point? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of bad filler. Here's my prediction is that people are going to jump in because we have so many people out there being like, use it, use it, use it. Here's my five-step formula or whatever. And they're not going to know what they're doing. They're going to rely on this tool way too much. And it, it, you know, not to have another parallel to the medical world, but we have developed medical technology. You think of even some of the x-rays, scanning capabilities, MRI, stuff that we that has been around now for a while. It was really interesting. In when I was in law school and I'm my best girlfriend was in med school, she said, you know, our technology exceeds the ability of us at times to even know what to do with it. Right? Yeah. Meaning that we're going to have outputs that are not helpful. Mm. And this is what is happening with AI tools currently. Yeah. I've already seen people starting to get quite dependent on them. And I worry about, well, I don't worry for myself, <laughs> but I can already see that there's people that already are, I guess, what we're going to see is my prediction is a real dumb down yes. of some intellectual thought processes. You know, they're already relying on, let me just put it in and see what comes out rather than than really using their own decision-making or coming up with their own thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah. And people will continue to go to it because of speed, right? That's what they think is 
like the most important thing is speed. I don't think that's the most important thing for any of us who've Mm. been around in business for any length of time. Yes. Like staying in action and staying in the right action matters, but speed when it comes to content creation is far less important than the content itself, than the purpose of the content, right? Then, then what is behind the content. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think a lot of people are going to get into trouble because they're going to build an outward facing, I put in air quotes, business. And it's a little bit like the folks that we already know in certain industries that spend a lot of time shining the vehicle and there is not an engine inside. Mm -hmm. So I'm really kind of wanting to lean more on this thought leadership side of things. Mm. And here's what I'm hearing so far. And I'm kind of amalgamating what we talked about in last episode and what we're talking about today. And that I think thought leadership is where creativity and innovation gets rewarded, right? And so Mm. AI could potentially be the antithesis of that. But what could we do to nurture thought leadership? How could we maybe stoke the fires or boost creativity like and not lose our thought leadership using tools Mm. like AI or can we? No, I think we can. There is a fine line. So let's pretend you're somebody who's like, look, I just want to brainstorm around whatever topic, right? Pick your topic. And you go to chat GPT and you say, so for example, I was really tired the other day and my girlfriends and I have a group of university girlfriends. We're like, where should we go? We're going to try to plan a trip. And many of us haven't seen each other for like over a decade, even a couple of decades for a couple of us. So I was like, I'm going to ask chat GPT. And I put in the requirements, right? Needs to be a city in the Western half of the United States, needs to be walkable, needs to have visually pretty like surroundings, right? And and, like this list of things. And sure enough, it popped out, you know, 15 or 20 cities. Seattle was on the list, by the way. But (laughs) I I was like, yeah, I don't have to go anywhere. No, but there are ways that you can use chat GPT, I think, for creativity and for doing some fun things. I think, again, you have to run everything through that thought leadership filter because there's a couple unknowns. One, you don't know where the content came from. So let's pretend that you are using this to produce a final piece of content. That to me still feels very iffy. It's one thing to produce a set of ideas that you then go take and develop based on your own thought leadership. That I feel fine with, right? You're mm-hmm. taking a, an undeveloped you know, mention of an idea and you are developing it through your own thought leadership offline right? Do that and do that to help spark creativity or look into nooks and crannies that you didn't think about, but do not, unless you know where it came from. And and really the funny thing about this part of my advice is it matches very much what I've been saying already about use of the internet for decades. If you did not pay for the use of it, you don't know where it came from. You did not create it yourself don't use it in your business. You have a potential copyright infringement scenario on your hands. Mm. So it's really, yeah, it's really the same rules that we've already, you know, at least in my world, been talking about for a very long time. You're just applying it to a new tool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at a couple applications of this. Mm -hmm. And again, like 
I'm thinking, all right, so I'm listening to this and I'm going, okay, well, what can I do? What can't I do? Like, where's that line of thought mm-hmm. leadership? So what I'm thinking of is, okay, so let's say you want to write a book because I know people that are literally using ChatGPT to write entire books now. So maybe the line is brainstorm some book topics for a particular niche or maybe even ask ChatGPT to spit out like an outline or some chapter ideas, but then you write it you fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. So that feels like that might be a line. Is that sounding in line with what you're saying? Totally. Yeah, exactly. That I think that's an efficient and helpful use of it. Or even let's pretend you're writing a memoir and you're like, okay, which of these vignettes from my life is most relevant or most poignant from a storytelling perspective, right? You don't have to put the whole thing into chat GPT, but you could feed it little snippets and have it mm-hmm. help you decide what, you know what I mean? And so I think that there are ways that through, I'm going to put limited inputs, right? Mm-hmm. You can still have a lot of influence over outputs that would be helpful without, because what I fear, and I think it's a little bit what Samantha was was hinting at a little bit earlier, is people becoming almost wholly reliant on a tool mm. like ChatGPT. Yes to produce every piece of content that you create. And let's also look at the folks who are plenty smart, but let's pretend that they never felt like a good writer in school. Mm. And so they go, oh, great. (laughs) ChatGPT can just, like, there's so many, it's a very big conversation, right? But I think there's going to be plenty of folks who felt like not a very good writer in school. And so, bam, we have this tool and they're just going to rely on it for a lot. And, you know, my invitation is to just be very conscious about how you're going to use the tool and even put some rules in place for yourself that you are comfortable with from a personal ethic perspective. And let's pretend you have a team and that you can describe in enough detail that your team can follow too, so that you don't have a team that just like in the, you know, and by the way, this still happens, the numerous scenarios where somebody gets a copyright infringement lawsuit because of an image they have on their website that they, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. they did not put there. They're like, oh, my VA or my web designer, all the excuses that come up. Like, sorry, you're responsible for it. It's your business, right? AI can have the same outputs. And so understand the world enough, the world of AI and how you're comfortable using it to really put, to thoughtfully put some rules and I'll just say bumpers down that you and your team can follow so that you can use it in a way that feels good, feels in alignment and doesn't have that fear of like, oh my gosh, what if something goes wrong hanging over your head? And a lot of people are using it right now without even understanding what can go wrong. Mm. So on that, mm-hmm. what are some of the other things that we need to keep in mind when using something like ChatGPT? So, you know, you've talked about not putting in our our high-level thought leadership or, you know, not really using it to be the entirety of our mm-hmm. content. What else do we need to think about when we're using ChatGPT? So I'm going to put a plug in that from a consumer perspective, reach out to these platforms and let them know 
how you'd like them to be used or built or the rules that, that you would like to have in place. So for example, what I think is coming, and it'll be really interesting to see timeline maybe when this happens, is I think there's going to be a paid option that develops on many of these platforms where they don't take your inputs and utilize them across mm -hmm. the entirety of the machine learning, but you're going to pay a higher level for that. Mm -hmm. Right? So as a business owner, even a small business, that's relevant for you. And that would be much more interesting to me as a user than a version of that software that's going to take every darn thing I put in it and spread it around to everybody else who uses it as well. Right. Mm. So watch for that and ask for change. Companies listen and enough people saying the same thing, they will listen. And, you know, there's a concept in law that is like, it's basically about the concept of public waste. Was it, it'll come to mind. I always forget the initial phrase tragedy of the commons. Right. So if you Google tragedy of the commons, it's basically like, you have this public resource, which right now, by the way, AI is like a public resource because many of these platforms started off with free versions, right? And they're they're wanting people to use it to feed more information, more power. Mm -hmm. It's really about power into quote unquote public resources, even though they're not owned by the public. These are privately held resources, right? We have access right now to them. And many of them we have access for free, but we are not the ultimate beneficiary. Let's be clear. There's a different beneficiary who is the ultimate beneficiary, and that's whoever owns the platform, right? But tragedy of the commons is what happens when you make a, a resource public, like grazing lands, and nobody takes personal responsibility for the care of that asset. And that's what I don't want to see happen with AI is that nobody takes responsibility for the care of the use of that asset, the information that gets run through it, the outputs that get created through it, because these all of these mechanisms impact other people, other humans. And this mm. is the really, really ethical part of the conversation where you do have to think really big picture to really fully understand this. Mm, totally. So good. Oh my God, I could talk to you for hours. I think you're going to have to create some kind of a workshop or training or something on this. Hundred <laughs> percent. Right? Well, oh my gosh, we're we're going to keep eyeballs on these legal outcomes that will, you know, be what unfortunately starts to really inform the public. And it's just the way human nature is. Most people are going to react to a potential punishment when they actually see those kinds of things coming down rather than, you know, being super proactive about this stuff. And I'm in the conversation of like, let's be proactive. Let's take collective care of this asset and really try to use it in a way that makes it better for everybody and allows us to do good work and allows others to do good work. And especially for those of us that are creators, that work with creators, that serve creators, right? So all of these small businesses I think of as a team of creators. And I care a lot that their businesses and their information and their hard work and blood, sweat, and tears are not being used freely in the marketplace by others, right? Mm. And the other point, because back to your question about what else can we do to protect our IP, there is, from a developer perspective, a way that you can embed code 
into your website that tells data crawlers, right? These basically think of them as like web crawler crawling spiders. Once they hit your site to stop, don't process that data, don't take that data. And so I'm not the technical person to do that work, but there are people that do that and they do it for larger companies. You know, I suspect there's probably being tools and, you know, who knows, maybe even memberships, you know, whatever version of services available to smaller businesses and creators, because this is an evolving topic and it's going to become increasingly important. And it is a resource that people want and need. And so whenever you've got that supply and demand imbalance in the marketplace, something will develop, right? And so folks, I think, will be getting access to easier ways to tell those web crawlers to not crawl their site. Mm, Love it. Interesting. Heather, you are such an amazing resource. Thank you for sharing your your conversation that is emerging around AI. Tell everybody where they can find out more about you and maybe even, you know, if you've got a resource that you think would be relevant here. Totally. Well, you're welcome. And I know I want to say the caveat is that a lot of people are going to be like, ah, wah, wah. She's telling me to slow down and put my seatbelt on and you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the fun police have arrived. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's really like anything. And I do think like it is an exciting tool. It's going to change a lot. And I really just want to tap into that part inside of us that I think we all have and recognize like we have a collective responsibility around this thing. And so if you can just shift your view a little bit, it becomes less challenging to shift your approach, Mm. right? Because then your approach is in alignment with your view. And it's just like, let's pretend like my sister, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you were eating oatmeal. And then, and you're thinking like, this is so healthy for me. I love oatmeal. It's like my happy place of the day, which is a true story, by the way, for a lot of people, but including my sister. And then she goes through all of this gut testing and allergy testing and realizes, oh my gosh, oatmeal is one of the worst things I could be actually putting into my body, give it my unique makeup. Pretty dramatically, her paradigm around oatmeal and the health benefits of oatmeal shifted overnight. Do you think that today she has a hard time excluding oatmeal from her diet? Like, no, it's gone, you know? And this is the benefit of new information is that it actually is not all that hard to shift our paradigms when we know what we care about. Mm. Right? So for people that are still like, you're such a poopy, you know, it's... (laughs) Like, just, <laughs> it's really not that the sky is falling, right? We just have to slow down and read a few of the road signs. We're going to be okay. I am dying over here, Heather. You are so funny. All right. Give us your website. Tell us, like, do you have a resource that uh, yes, people website can... is totally website is legalwebsitewarrior.com. All one word. The resource, I don't yet have one on AI, a great resource that, by the way, has the framework, much of which I touched on, you know, already about how to think about protecting certain things is inside of my Legal Basics Bootcamp, which is a free resource right at the top of my website. It's also at the link forward slash Legal Basics Bootcamp. And it's a great one for just getting your mind right around where legal fits and how to think about things like IP things like business contracts, right? Which 
in light of where AI is headed and the things that are happening, like you need that foundational stuff anyways. Mm. Yeah. Definitely awesome. go over and get onto Heather's legal boot camp because I'm sure that at least then you're in Heather's world and when something does come up, because I know something's coming, you'll be there and ready to to catch that information. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today for this important conversation. And thank you for tuning in today. Please, please, please share this episode with everyone in your world that needs to hear this conversation because this is really, really important. And unless we share this conversation, then you know we don't know the, the ramifications of what's going on. So we would love you to do that. And please tag Melanie and myself as you share it and Heather so that she can see this conversation continue. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of Next Level Influence, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Next Level Influence. Before you go, would you subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player? We'd love to know what your greatest takeaway was from today's episode. Take a screenshot of the show and share with us on social, and be sure to tag us too so we can connect. Tune in next week for another Next Level Influence episode. Yeah.